0: And welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something Silver Screen Vision. The podcast series within Let Me Tell You Something's overarching universe in which a film, a TV show, some sort of visual media that involves pro wrestling is dissected and analysed by two people. Those two being myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host, a man who when he typed into Google search G immediately got search results very similar to the title of the film we're covering, Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing today, mate?
1: (laughs) I told you that in confidence. I'm doing alright, I'm doing good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you spoke way too confidently (laughs) as if this wasn't something to be ashamed of.
1: (laughs) You want to know what I look (laughs) like? I don't really know where to go from here. I'm sort of a cul-de-sac cool now. <laughs> we can go
0: by telling people what it is that we're covering and why that double entendre of mine was so deliciously hilarious.
1: <laughs> we are covering a documentary called Gaya Girls, which was filmed in the year 2000 and covers people training to get into the Gaya promotion.
0: Gaya being G-A-E-A, run by yoshi legend chigusa nagayo who is one of our main focal points of this film it's actually was released in 2000 and was filmed in 1999 and it was filmed for a a documentary strand of the bbc's so this is actually a british production technically
1: yeah which is weird and i don't want to world of sport it by going straight to like negatives when we discuss this but it, it seemed weird that we didn't have a narrator to this
0: well, I think that that was the nature of documentaries at this point still. I think the narrator element of it is something that we're very used to now with modern documentaries, populist documentaries that give you a narrative arc. Or even, if not necessarily even a narrator in the classic sense, at least a lot of talking heads. And this is very much not a talking heads documentary. This is a documentation of what life was like for young trainees at a Japanese women's wrestling promotions base. And that the neutrality of the tone and of the filmmaking is very deliberate. Now, in 2023 eyes, in your young whippersnappers <laughs> viewpoint, you may find this dull. But for someone like me, who was well, seen quite a lot of documentary film, and this was at a time when documentary film was about to become very popular through the works of Michael Moore, mm. it seemed like the right kind of neutral journalistic tone, which was the intention that it wanted to take... But to the point that I think that, in a way, the makers of this film might have been played a little. And that what we were documenting was really the narrative that Nagayo and the people behind the promotion wanted to do, and that there was a certain amount of, not subterfuge, but especially in the Japanese sense, protecting the business. And the story that they were being presented to the documentarians, maybe they didn't understand the actual story underneath it.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. It does feel very much like, how do I word it? Some of the fake sort of K Faby documentaries sometimes that the WWE do, or like backstage angles, it had an element of that, that. Especially when it comes to like the second time one of the main protagonists of the piece goes through her gauntlet test. And it's like, oh, you failed again, you know, do you have the heart kind of thing. And then it's like, oh, actually, no, she's in. It felt a little bit like like a, uh, oh, actually, you're in. Yeah, it just felt very convenient that it's like, oh, actually, you have shown enough heart and spirit to want it after I've slapped you about the ring a bit more. So here's your debut. Here's your costume. You know, you know crack on and be a gay girl.
0: Let's just break it down. We've kind of gone two, two, three, four, five steps ahead of ourselves here. That
1: doesn't sound like us at all.
0: What the intention of this documentary was, was to understand a, a subculture within Japanese society. I'm guessing, because the two people behind this have made other Japan-based documentaries before, although I don't think either of them are Japanese, or at least if they are, they're of mixed heritage.
1: Yeah, I think this was released as a double feature with another film about Japan at the same time.
0: It got a double DVD release, but there was, there was a strand of documentaries these two were making together. built based around japan and again that sense of them maybe not knowing the truth behind the stories of what they're being told and that they were in a way being played by nagayo but in a way very much not i feel like everyone in this world is being played by nagayo except maybe the co-president of gaia who does not seem to be a wrestler no she's much more slight and she maybe is the business side of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) And their methodology appears to be not so much good cop, bad cop, as a trace of humanity cop and (laughs) flat-out psychopath cop.
1: Yeah, yeah, Nagayo's got some unresolved issues.
0: As she elaborates towards the end of the film. So, what I found most interesting about this was, this is the closest I've seen to a full sense of life in the dojo system, that Japanese sports, especially combat sports, seems to utilise. There is a Netflix series that's come out that I have got listed down to want to watch, set within the world of sumo. And I do believe that the dojo culture of pro wrestling in Japan is very much based around that setup in sumo as well, and the Kohai-senpai-master-student relationship. But they mould it together and essentially tell a wrestling storyline through what they're doing in... The dojo, but I again I think it may be only Nagayo that knows that this is a storyline going through. Yeah. But I also get the sense that the way that the students are treated in this, it's not for show. That if the cameras weren't there or not they would basically be treated with the same amount of I don't want to say contempt, but Disdain. Harshness. Yeah. Uncompromising values. It is I sent you a text as I was watching it last night, before the record date. And this was really the first half of the film, and I said, the word that really keeps coming to my mind when I'm watching this is monastic. Mm. And that really does feel like the life of the dojo experience of all these students.
1: It's how they contrast that with the in-ring action. I I find the fact that that's got like the the pop song backing over it. It, It's more bright, it's more colourful. That's the show, like, um, this is, like, the 10% that you see, and, like, this is all the glitz and the glamour, but why? what this documentary, what it's showing you, and what it seems to be wanting to make aware to the audience that it's showing them, in a way, is here's the grit, here's the stuff we've got access to, Here's their, here's their life, here's the 90% of the iceberg that you don't see.
0: Yeah, this is... During all the period of time when the circus tent has not been put up and they're travelling, or the time between the shows, the times where the person is having to adjust their body so that they can withstand the pain of the freak show, cannonball to the stomach or whatever it is that they would have, all of the work behind it to put on the show, as you say, But when I go with the monastic lifestyle, it is that sense of that these people submit themselves entirely to the process. But also, I think that that's a sign that like, when when you hear stories of people going to wrestling schools in America and the UK and what have you, to be kind of, especially now, that there's not a closed off door anymore. Mm -hmm. You pay your dues. You find someone that's willing to say they trained you. And you can get on a wrestling show within a pretty short space of time. You won't necessarily be good enough for it. But you'll be able to go around and say that you're a wrestler. Yeah. The Japanese dojo system, at least as instilled in these promotions, maybe the smaller ones around there are a bit more accessible. It is a case of you are offering yourself up to them, and then they will see if they can carve and make and mold you into something that can then make everyone money and you can earn as well. I, I'm guessing if they're paid anything, they're paid a pittance, and it's a decent chance that they're not being paid anything. It's just that their life expenses are being covered. Food, board, and yeah. everything else. The board being literally bunk beds on top of each other and next to each other. It seems to be a labyrinth just to get to your mattress. Yes. And even the other people that are graduated students, at the very least, seem to base their whole... their regular life around there I don't know if Satom- Miko Satomura who's one of the people that we cover the sort of the top class top of the class or maybe the close thing again to a good cop out of this but even then we see her <laughs> do something that's very ungood copish. oh yes but She's like the top student the 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 ace maybe of the promotion after Nagayo. She would be the Saruta to Nagayo's Baba or the Fujinami to Nagayo's Inoki. Yeah. Because of how Japanese wrestling works, I've always said you can literally create a family tree where you start off with essentially JWE or whatever it was called. I think it was always JPW, but the promotion that Ricky Dozan started And then every one of those, there'd be these graduates of their dojos, and those dojo graduates, one or two of them, would eventually splinter off and form their own. Mm. So from Rikidozan's JWA, you get Baba's All Japan, Inoki's New Japan. From Inoki's New Japan, you get Maeda's UWF, Hashimoto's Zero One, etc., etc. From Maeda's UWF, you get Takada's UWFI. You get Minoru Suzuki's pancreas, Yeah. And it goes on and goes on and goes on. And so from here, because obviously when we discussed Chigusa Nagaya before, it was her in a much younger Crush Gals persona, facing off against Lioness Asuka. Yeah. And it was before then the mandatory retirement age of 26 that was in place for Joshi wrestlers at that point. And then she later on returned to wrestling... First going toward Japan wrestling, but then around the late 90s was really sort of the death spiral of Joshi. And Gaya, I think, was born from the death of AJW and Nagayo starting it off as her own... One and so her assuming that top role and it being a woman of authority that's another striking thing about this show because we joked in the past when we watched these Joshi shows that occasionally suddenly the men would be talking to decide where the match will go or whatever. <laughs> the commentators of men and everything in this, it is there are scarcely any men in view, yes, yeah. but it does still take on a patriarchal structure and it doesn't, and that's shown as well by the look of Chigusa Nagayo. I mean, now you would, in 2023 eyes, you'd wonder if maybe there are certain aspects of her life that she would love to be able to sp- live in the full view of everyone. Maybe, maybe not. That's up to her to decide. But I think it's very striking that when she's getting her haircut, she's looking at this magazine of men with men's haircuts. Right, yeah. And she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have children. Mm. So she assumes this very... And again, there's like a father-mother situation with the co-president, but again, the mother's not particularly that nice either. And Sakamoto's maybe the oldest sister. Yeah. Who is, again,
1: fairer but still harsh. Toes the family line still. Still buys into their ethos. And it's not a very healthy ethos at all.
0: No, but I think it's the ethos that basically every dojo in Japanese wrestling had at that time. I don't know if they still do, but you look at the exercises they're doing, and they all seem to be from that Carl Gotch, New Japan Pro Wrestling dojo. You're seeing them doing the dozens, the hundreds of Hindu squats, and doing the press ups with the wooden board in front of them. Yeah, and running these drills and running these drills before they can even get into the ring. If there is a protagonist of this film. It's uh, Saika Takeuchi. yeah. Who, when we enter this period of film of the film, she's been there training for about a year, and she's obviously gone through all of the initiations that we see. The other, the the two junior members of the dojo, like the lowest of the low rung, one who left and then came back and is humiliated for chickening out at first, and she tries again, and she's again lowest low. We don't even see her in the ring; we just see her sweeping, yeah. <laughs> That's really her job.
1: She does a. Uh, she's in one of the Hindu squat scenes, and she's she's just blown up as all hell. And they're like, more, oh, more. Think you might, more.
0: Be th- you might be thinking of Sato, who comes along later. I think both of like them about do. Have that. Maybe they both do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, Sato definitely does because um, with Sato, I, <laughs> I, I got a little bit nerdy, and you could tell that she was struggling, and her footwork was wrong for the Hindu squats. She was like arching up on her, uh, the balls of her feet. And that's what was causing her problems. But no one was ever correcting that. It's just like, no, work harder, work harder.
0: I think, yeah, it's more about going through the pain, and then when you get through the pain, then we'll teach you the technique that might make it less painful. Yeah,
1: which it, it, to me, and I take to a lot of trainers now, just seems counterintuitive.
0: When we see Takeuchi go through the trials and going through the in-ring drills and everything, it feels like... They're trying to break them down psychologically. They're trying to destroy them, mm. and that's something you frequently see in anything that's about training or about sport in particular. But not even just outside. There's there's a good example of this outside of sport. But it's that question of do the means justify the ends? Yes. Yeah. And one of the best examples of this in recent times was the film Whiplash, and this toes a similar path. Whereas with This is Japanese, it's women's wrestling in whiplash, it's jazz drumming. And similarly, I think you can watch this film without being a fan of wrestling and at least understand the thematic reasons behind the making of the film, if not necessarily having been told a 100% authentic version of the story because of your lack of knowledge of Mm. the ins and outs of wrestling that we have a bit more of compared to them. But again, it's that question of, we see it when you hear all the stories about Alex Ferguson with the hairdryer treatment, when you hear the very mercurial behaviour of people like Brian Clough or Antonio Conte, or when you see the way that people are treated by drill sergeants when they enter the army, because it is about stripping them entirely of their personality. And it's really from the same logic. I mean, when New Japan guys start, they literally have their heads shaved when they have their first match. Yeah. It's only just over time that you're allowed to develop your own persona and style and moves. And I wonder where do you stand on that? Because it's one of those things where you can't deny that sometimes these things produce results. And in theory, at the end of Whiplash, the uh, character played by Miles Teller, Mm. he becomes the drummer that J.K. Simmons has been trying to make him become through his sadistic means. In many ways, in spite of him, because he fights back. His final big drum solo is not done under the express permission of J.K. Simmons. He does it as a fuck you. Literally says fuck you as he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, that's what Simmons wanted. That's what he had always wanted. Maybe he didn't even realize it himself until he saw it. And you see that with was saying to her, why didn't you fight back? Why did you just accept it? Why are you giving up? And it's like that case of like, but did she give up? maybe she gave up in the sense of like she submitted in the match but it was it meant to be like that because this isn't real yeah this was a performance and she was putting in as much effort as she could that we could see so what is she actually saying is she saying it just for the cameras to not break kayfabe and is that causing confusion to her or even if the cameras haven't been there would she have still said what kind of performance was that that wasn't good enough yeah. Like, like it's basically every graduate have to fail in the first test and then come back in either the second or third or fourth. And through their own, like, almost like, I don't even know why I'm doing this to you, I'm going to let you graduate. Again, to just keep them under their thumb, to control them psychologically.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, things like that, it's a fine line to walk in terms of, like, tough love, uh, uh, to, which is a very, very, very boiled-down version of what what we were expressing there with the Ferguson hair dryer treatments and Conte like pushing people and stuff like that. It only, the problem is it has to be sort of a blanket approach. Um, if you're coaching like that and not everyone responds well to that method of coaching. I, I think the mark of a good coach is to find the method that works and use that to coach their pupils at the time and what makes a good coach a great coach is managing to utilize all these different methods and keep team unity together now there is a sense of team unity amongst the Gaia stable but it's been manifested through fear and then the amount of people that drop out like maybe they want a high attrition rate because it it gives them people who in their mind really want it but is it just people who have been browbeaten to wanting it? it? It it gets a bit complicated.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, Ferguson wasn't always necessarily like that, but maybe in the coaching of young players, I don't know. But famously, he would let Eric Cantona basically get away with murder. Yeah. Even when he kicked a fan. Yeah. And got banned when they said they came in at full time for the hair dry treatments. He was yelling at all these other players in the team for what they'd done and how they'd screwed up. And then he turns to Eric Cantona, who literally got sent off and kicked a fan that would then lead to, what, an eight-month suspension? Yes. And he just went to him and said, Eric, you can't be doing that.
1: (laughs) I mean, he was right. Um, But the thing is, what Eric bought to the Manchester United team at the time, was a higher level of professionalism. He was the one training after practice had ended and he dragged people along with him and he, he instilled that ethos of we train harder, we we work harder. So he gets some slack from Ferguson because, albeit, yes, he kicked a fan and got suspended for eight months, he, he changed the culture. He helped embed a culture that Ferguson wanted at United
0: i think what it is is that japanese wrestling promotions in particular have like this inherent philosophy and to be fair wwe is doing it now with the nxt program as well they have their style their methods and their training and their form of wrestling like NOAA of wrestlers might be told how to run the ropes differently to how new japan wrestlers are told yeah you may not see it yourself but they will so this is nagayo forming her own philosophy and I think it was very telling, wasn't it, that she said her father was in the army. Yes, is that right? Yeah. So she really, obviously, took to that drill side. I wonder if that was the culture that they all of Joshi wrestlers had in all Japan women, or maybe they were a bit kinder to them because they knew they were only going to last till twenty six. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> so there was a more like paternalistic side to it. I'm not sure. You you want you need to find out one way or the other. And so this is her pushing them to a higher form. And you are going to get wrestlers of a better quality. And like I said, if we were this strict about it in wrestling, you would get we would ha- have like thousands of quote-unquote wrestlers on the scene. We'd have maybe a couple of hundred, but those couple of hundred would be all good enough. Mm. You know, there is very few New Japan Dojo graduates. There are very few Dojo graduates in Japan in general, it seems, that are awful. Yeah. Even ones that you may not be a fan of necessarily in their current style or guys like the House of Torture guys. You've seen that they know that New Japan formula. They have that level of fitness and ability. And they wrestle that style. And it's just necessarily the requirements of the character that they're playing at this point. Mm. there is, And there's a reason that New Japan has just constantly produced some of the greatest wrestlers of all time for the past 50 years even without them having to go from promotion to promotion to gain seasoning outside of their brief learning excursion, they do it all in house. You literally see these guys in their first wrestling match, whereas opposed to like the WWE where you'll see, maybe you'll see them on NXT doing their first match, but on level up. Yeah. But before then it was people doing the indies or the lower territories or whatever. And Vince getting them fully formed essentially. And then just putting the polish of presentation on top of them.
1: But again, some people, I think, do better with learning outside of a strict regimen. And, and... Well, that's where you get Coach Ribushi. Yeah, yeah.
0: Who basically, I think, paid for his own tutoring because he came from a rich family and then just has continued to drift all around wrestling for the past 25 years, travelling on his ability and transcendent beauty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The hairdresser at the end had Kota esque hair, and that just immediately made me think of him, actually. With the way that Gaia trains their people, though... Again, I don't know how much of that we saw. This is it, this is the thing. It's like, how true was this documentary? What we saw,
0: essentially, was just... Of of the in-ring sparring, as they're calling it, and that's how they're saying it. It's not practice, it's sparring. yeah. And so you have Takiuchi just trying constantly... She's essentially having Young Lions matches where she's only able to throw a couple of moves and everything doesn't seem to have the force that it does. And when, you know, you look back at Okada's graduating match against Tanahashi and he's holding back on his forearms because of the story of the match is that he's not strong enough yeah. yet. And that he can't match o- Tanahashi, but then he comes back a year and a half and suddenly you can. And it's pretty obvious that they knew from the training secretly what Okada could do Mm. but they weren't allowing him to show that on screen so again did they know secretly that Takiuchi can do more but for the story that they're telling both the fans when they see the first match with Satomura and that they seem to film in preparation for the show Mm. that she has all this but all we're seeing still is the young lion she throws drop kicks she hits weaker forearms and then she gets hit back with them Full force. Was Gaia Girls shown in Japan? I would assume someone in Japan bought it, but it was meant for a British a BBC audience. But it's one of those things where the BBC probably commissioned it, but then it can be sold to other markets.
1: See I I get that impression.
0: PBS probably showed it in America, I thought.
1: Because obviously I think they shot they responded to the filmmakers like this is going to be shown. In Japan at some point, And they wanted to keep k Fave alive. In that sense. Because if you look at. The, the internet wasn't as hot. In uh, 2000. but By any extent as it is now. So you, you could have got away with like. Letting your guard down. But that's just not the dojo way it seems. To let the media know. All the secrets yet.
0: They want to show them the rigorousness of the training. And the physical torture that they're put through. And in this the mental torture as well. But they never want to give the... They don't, they don't want to do the breaking ground thing. Yeah. Where you're seeing them being told how to play up to the audience. I've never seen footage of a Japanese wrestler telling a trainee, and with your facial expressions, you've got to do this. Yeah. And um, when you're cutting a promo, you've got to say this. Maybe they don't even bother with the promo thing. They just accept someone can either talk or they can't, and the way that they talk in Japan is very different again. Over time. although I did see Tenzan like when he took Watto under his wing when Watto came back like encouraging him to talk more to the media in the post match things and like say how you really feel yeah and famously like Naito took Takahashi under his wing when he was struggling in the young lion system because again those gut the Tanahashi's the, the Naito's and everyone they're still coming into the dojo but they just get to go home at night yeah I suppose <laughs> And they get the food cooked for them by the young lions. They get the clothes washed and ironed for them by the young guys.
1: You know, they've paid their dues effectively. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's the thing. And it's always, and it is that curious thing, like, as a sign with parenting, you either give them exactly what you got from your parents if if you were given a tough upbringing because you think it made a man out of you or a woman out of you, or you just think that's the way that parenting has to be, or just experiences as an adult, ultimately maybe even make you slightly forget the troubles of being a child. And also, let's be honest, children are fucking annoying. Yes. So you will just end up yelling at
1: them. It's going to happen, yeah.
0: Especially if you're around one of them 24 hours a day. A day! <laughs> I love my nephews and nieces, but I can only last two hours with those things. Well, there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: be the other end of the scale, where you have a, a terrible parent or a rude a harsh parent or a disciplinary parent, and you don't do that you you give them love and you give them affection and you give them kindness, and then they turn into soft doughy, squishy things mm. <laughs> you don't know there's definitely there's definitely a softer parenting technique now compared to what they used to be, yeah, obviously, but it's all sort of, you know it's those that that send generation after generation of children to private schools, even though the sadistic nature of it (laughs) probably affected them in ways they still can't quite compute. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason Stanley Johnson produced Boris Johnson. There's a reason that... um, What was his name? Donald Trump's father. I don't know, actually. Whatever it was, he was a complete shit. Yeah. Who, like, affected Donald in one way and then basically just killed his other older son in another way. (laughs) Which also affected Donald severely as well.
1: Uh, Obviously, Prince Charles got sent off to uh, boarding school, didn't he?
0: Mm. But you see that, I mean, we've got Satomura here, a woman who's still to this day loved and, you know in her 50s, was finally getting a, a level of exposure she'd never previously had, in at least to Western audiences, with her work first in NXT UK and then with NXT yeah. and the Mae Young Classic. Yeah. Although I think she also was in a Chikara King of Trios tournament final that she won. Oh, okay. uh, I think I think it might have been as gayer. It might have been as gayer. The promotion has closed now. So the moment um, we've been coming up to this, it's one of the few moments where you can argue that there's really interesting filmmaking technique in the way that the camera's positioned because she is teaching um Takeuchi in the ring Mm. and Takeuchi's hitting her with drop kicks and she's being mocked for the lack of force and believability behind well she doesn't say believability but the lack of force in those drop kicks and then she sends her into the ropes and hits a drop kick that would make Okada blush yeah
1: it's it's a hell of a hit
0: the height, the exact movement, the speed of it, and the harshness. Because you hear some echoing thumps throughout this map, throughout yeah. this documentary. And all of them are basically at the expense of the face and head and body of a five-foot-tall young Japanese girl of no more than, like, 22 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's we're seeing it afterwards, where she's been berated by Sat- uh, Satomura for not... Again, we don't know what it is. Is she being berated for not wrestling properly, fighting properly, or putting in enough of a performance, or being believable in the ring? Again, we can't quite gauge it either. Yeah. And again, like I wonder if the documentarians are watch- were watching this and thinking, I thought this was supposed to be fake. Yeah. Like, where, what? Because the way the camera's really cleverly positioned is at the start of it, if you've just seen the back of the head of the student, Takeuchi. And then gradually the camera's panning across as she's still getting you know admonished yeah by Satamura. and you realize that there is a huge wad of blood just across her face and dripping from her chin because she got drop kicked so hard full on in the mouth
1: yeah
0: or we assume it's from the drop kick because this there's a cut from the drop kick and then this and given the severity of that drop kick you would think it was that that caused it it may not have been but you'd think it is
1: it did point you towards that doesn't it definitely
0: yeah and that's not the last time we see her bleeding in this training session. Yeah. Well, she says, rinse your mouth out and then I'm going to come back and bollock you more.
1: <laughs> it's a phrase I hear a lot, particularly like my role, because I work for a local authority. Duty of care, like you have a duty of care for the people assigned to you. Is that duty of care being met? But They think so because they're giving the tough love, but that scene, you do think about the build them Issues of like abuse in the performance center, and
0: or a year later from when this documentary came out, when Hardcore Holly got in the ring with Matt Capitelli on Tough Enough. Yes,
1: yeah. I looked at a Reddit thread and that actually cited that exact example. And then you know, Kurt Angle almost uh, getting his ass kicked by Daniel Puder as well, and then Daniel Puder getting like uh, battered for it. They They sent Hardcore Holly basically after him as a result. <laughs>
0: I think that was playing up to the audience, actually. I think Daniel Puder was greatly respected. I hear that, like, The Undertaker, because, you know, he was an MMA nerd. Yeah. It was all, like, good for you. That was actually punishment in a, in a kayfabe sense. Mm. I'm sure Huckle Holly still enjoyed doing it. And it's that thing. It's like there can be two truths to it in that wrestling is tough. You are going to get hurt. Be prepared to get hurt. But there's also sadistic fuckers out there that want an excuse to hit someone. Yeah. And thankfully for them, you could overlap those two areas and use that as a means to beat the shit out of someone and they won't even come back and fight back. This is it. It is tough physically. It is tough emotionally. But that doesn't mean that sadists should be allowed to do whatever they want to those people in the ring. Yeah. For the sake of teaching them a lesson. I'm sure everyone gets taught that lesson even if they do. And you don't necessarily need to give them a fat lip and a black eye. From it by intention, you will get it through accidents or other things in the ring as it goes along as well.
1: Exactly, like the stuff will happen. There's no need to like be excessive. There's no need to like hurt these people this much. But in their mind, that's the only way to do it because it's the only way they were shown to do it. Certain traditions can become toxic, effectively. And are we seeing like a toxic culture? Being shown to us in Gaia Girls, quite possibly, again because they're because they're not completely upfront with how honest they're being about how they're portraying themselves. There's a, there's that, there's going to be that element of doubt in what we're seeing, which we've alluded to earlier.
0: Well, I, again, I believe that they beat the shit out of these girls when they're training them. That they have to go through a gauntlet and they do have to be drilled and do all these exercises and everything. I just wonder. If they're also being told at some point, play to the crowd this way, play to the crowd that way. Or is that something that like the other wrestlers teach them through the matches themselves? Mm,
1: they have to learn by doing, effectively. Th-
0: that's something we don't get from Japanese training footage that we've ever seen. Yeah. Whereas, as we've said, WWE especially open the doors up and we see them taking promo classes. And we see them being told how to make connections with the crowd. But they also learn that through doing. Like, Hulk Hogan said he learned a great deal from wrestling guys like Jerry Lawler, and a lot of what he did was modelled on Jerry Lawler, and playing to the crowd, and making sure your face is up to show your pain that you're in to the crowd. Yeah, Maybe that is something that you learn more by doing it in the ring, and seeing how they're getting a reaction that you're not still. But we can't quite gauge, because the doors are still quite well gated in Japan. Yeah. I also... One of the reasons I want to go back as well to the monastic side of it was that we see the foot, the matches themselves taking place in Krakow and Hall in Tokyo, but Gaia itself seems to be in the middle of nowhere, nowhere rural Japan, and we see these occasional like inserts, slice of life moments where you just see little farmers running like shuffling along the streets yeah. or something. A bread van comes along at one point, and I wonder again, is that i don't know where the new japan dojo is but i would assume it's somewhere within tokyo yeah but then again maybe gaia don't have the budget of a new japan and the best dojo they can get that's even within 30 miles of tokyo is in some little warehouse in the middle of nowhere but again it's that what was the compound that the fbi raided you know waco yeah waco just getting that little patch of land that no one around the screams can't be heard yeah from too far away do you think you could have tolerated, like if, if 18 year old Simon wanted so badly to get into wrestling and they were in and the training system was similar to this sort of dojo, I imagine the snake pit wasn't that far off it mm. to be honest, back in the day. Do you think you would have had the it's hard because I guess in, within J- Japanese culture there is more of that dojo discipline hard work graft culture you know, in Japan it's like the working weeks are insanely long for so many people and that notion that just plying the trade and, and giving yourself up entirely to it you know everyone's just bowing to everyone as they're leaving and, and the the need for respect and deference yeah is there so again it's hard to gauge but that's one of the reasons why i never even thought about training in wrestling because i thought first of all i didn't think i would take the pain threshold and secondly i knew that if i ever wanted to do something like that i would need to get into great physical shape before the first lesson because i didn't want to be i would never want to be embarrassed by the drill yeah You know, if I were grown up in Japan, I would have found out about that training regimen of the squats and the press-ups and everything. And and have done that in preparation for the first Mm. one. And worked on bridges and everything before so that I didn't just go in expecting it to be a piece of piss. And like, oh, where do I learn to do a powerbomb? (laughs) (laughs) Because you you did a couple of training sessions. Yeah, I did, and they were incredible. Was that because you wanted to become a wrestler, or you just wanted to see what it was like, or what? Uh,
1: Curiosity. I don't think I ever had, like, a hard and fast desire to do so. To answer that question about, like, would 18-year-old Simon have coped? I think 18-year-old Simon would have benefited from the discipline that something like that would have um, instilled within me, because... But would 18-year-old Simon have just
0: left on the first day? Because they do let them leave, because it is that thing of they're testing you, and you need to... yeah for you to be worth their time you have to pass these tests
1: that's it it's it's that it would have been down to how much i would have actually wanted it but i don't know i look at like my life now i wish i had more discipline when it comes to fitness so i, I, I envy them a little bit in that sense i'm saying it's not all bad but i, I don't want it to come across as i'm excusing how they were treated so it's, I'm, I'm walking a very tight verbal tightrope at the moment. You understand the theory
0: behind it. Yes. But you don't necessarily agree that it's the be all end all is the only way that
1: you can get this done. Oh, absolutely. I don't know. There's a way, there's doing it and then there's doing it to excess. And uh, I, the more I think about that, the more I share your belief that this isn't just for the cameras. They'd be being hit that hard camera or no camera. Yeah. Yeah. And that's too much. In my mind, that's too much. For me, it was a little uncomfortable, not only because of the things we've covered in terms of the abuse and stuff, but for, from a watching perspective, and you did allude to the generational gap, for me, this isn't structured how I like my favourite documentaries are structured. It isn't the structure I'm used to. What Did you want them to literally
0: have people explaining where they came from, showing footage of them from the... A t- like, we never see the fact that Chigusa Nagaya at one point was literally a pop star yeah. in the 80s. And she's having matches against her crush gal yeah. tag team partner yeah. at the start.
1: And look, I'm not saying everything has to be like a soap opera and stuff like that. But you look at documentaries and how they're... And they do draw criticism for like bits they leave out because it doesn't quite fit the narrative that they're telling. I accept that. But you look at Tiger King... These people were drawn to Joe Exotic, and if you hadn't explained the common thread of how they were drawn to Joe Exotic, it wouldn't have worked quite as well in telling the story. But they all got a chance to go, who is who I am, here's how I've got involved in this. And then as a result, you sort of understand the whole story that's being told more. With The Last Dance, The Last Dance works so well. Well, it works so well because they got Michael Jordan to do it for one. (laughs) Secondly, it works so well because he's the, he's his own narrative anchor and he explains the meaning behind the flu game. His, his father's death, the Air Jordans deal and stuff like that. How I've been brought up on documentaries is this stuff happened, but okay, I want to hear from the people it happened to. I want to hear why they're in that situation
0: Yeah, but isn't that being told and not shown? Isn't that being spoon-fed? Isn't that lacking a discipline of your own ability to interpret that? Because there are plenty of those in this film in a shorter space of time as well, to be fair. This is only... And you said this didn't even need to be 100 minutes when you were messaging me. Actually, I think it needed to be longer, if anything, for you to get the satisfaction from this that you would have got from Tiger King, which I think is a bit of a trashy, exploitative (laughs) kind of hot garbage but
1: entertaining garbage at the same time i've chosen that because it's a common example and a lot of people will have seen it because of the timing when it came out but no you're right in terms of actual like documentary value yeah it is a bit cheap reality tv but it's it's a common example personally last dance is far better
0: (laughs) yes i agree the last dance far better the last dance will probably be in my top 40 favorite tv shows ever when i do um my top 40s list yeah Coming soon to a podcast near you. <laughs> but to me, the moments that were most telling with The Last Dance was the stuff that wasn't said. Where you see the truth behind Michael Jordan, and I think that that's where the filmmakers excelled. When there are moments when they say to Michael Jordan about some of his behaviour and what it did that got him to this place, but then he's just on his own in... In this massive house, the massive house, and <laughs> <laughs> that's an Easter egg from before we we yeah. started rolling. <laughs> and but there's that sense of now because his body can't do that anymore. He's left to his thoughts and his brain, and it's not necessarily a brain that's suited to this part of his life. And he doesn't have the friendships and the bonds that could have sustained him at this point in life. Because of his behaviour earlier on in life. I think that the series also shows the underlying tragedy of Michael Jordan as well as the greatness of Michael Jordan. And I think that this documentary shows maybe the greatness, maybe not as much the greatness of Nagaya. Because again, it doesn't give you that perspective of just how big a star she was. Mm. But not even giving her a saying like, oh, do you remember when you you and Asuka, when she was being interviewed, they didn't really meant, they were just talking about the match that was coming up where her literal name was on the line. Uh, she wins the match by spitting fire, literal fire, yeah. at Asuka. And she seems to imply in the post-match promo that that was like tit for tat, that maybe that was how Asuka had beaten her the first yes. time. Yes. Yeah. Not sure. Again, they don't give us this context, because I don't think they necessarily knew that context. Maybe they didn't even know, if they weren't in Japan in the mid-80s, how big a star Nagayo was, and Nagayo doesn't tell them. hmm 'Cause it feels like it's a vital thing to get across the like the riches that can come from living this lifestyle is maybe what she's hoping to achieve. Takeuchi. And she says, I'm not much of a person myself, I'm quite dull, but when I get out into the rest but the wrestlers, they're something great. Yeah. And that's what she's aspiring to. And you get a little bit of that with Nagayo coming out and being worshipped by the crowd, but you don't even get like the true scale of her success. And maybe also because frankly, they probably weren't being paid as well as they could have been. Because wrestlers get fleeced in general i think japanese wrestlers get fleeced even worse and then japanese female wrestlers <laughs> i mean forget it even if you own the company exactly exactly so and so i think that the, 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 you get that moment of tragedy there when she talks about her father and she's basically saying yeah i've become a success through spite to show my father yeah and she's decided that if she's going to create stars she's going to create them out of spite as well She's not going to coax it through kindness or, or generosity that she lacked. She's going to be every bit as brutal to them as her father was. Mm-hmm. And again, taking on this patriarchal role within a pretty much all-female world. Yeah. Again, I think maybe alluding to aspects of her personality that again would maybe be explored much more differently in 2023 or a more interesting coding to it. Yes,
1: yeah. I take your point about the subtleties and the things that are unsaid. And there are a lot of them in The Last Dance, for example. But I think for me, just personally, as someone... The way I view documentaries, this was too far the other way. I think there's a balance that needs to be struck. And I think that sort of, like, points to the point we've been making about the content of Gaia Girls. There is more than one way to skin a cat. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the way that they're doing. And the uncomfortability that we get... Which isn't a proper word I do know. I heard I heard I heard you tense up. (laughs) If I was Nagayo
0: I would have gone over to Leicester and beat you over the head with a dictionary. Exactly.
1: How uncomfortable we get watching it. It is kind of the point, but like I said earlier, to them it's like, Yeah look how right we are and the viewers kind of left going, Are you? The, the filmmakers themselves have had that
0: deliberately more detached, literal documenting of it. We're just showing you almost the raw footage. And again, if you're not used to that, then it takes a bit of getting used to, but you still derived it from it, but you maybe didn't enjoy it as much. It wasn't a documentary for fun. It was a documentary for to be informed rather than yeah. to be entertained. And obviously you prefer a bit more entertainment in your
1: informed, inf- I think a good documentary has to strike a balance.
0: Well, I think that this is the balance that they intended to strike. Mm. And again, it's, I think there's more of a journalistic neutrality to it. That I think, frankly, we're lacking a lot from
1: even our journalism nowadays. Well, yes. But, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe like I say, again, it's a generational thing. But for me, I, I think we need to captivate as well as educate.
0: Well, I was captivated by the education person okay you know i was able to derive it from there
1: okay uh, well, like i say it's different strokes for different folks ultimately
0: well there was no stroking of egos going on in this documentary also i do want to say very quickly the test the, the gauntlet drill is something that's very common in japanese uh, women's wrestling mm. there will frequently be these short gauntlets i think in this is she's going through five minutes against each of the top guys and then in the second one Nagayo herself comes in and does proper like azure kong no selling brutality to this little girl. Batters. Who? Her. I don't know if you've have you read more into it.
1: Not that. Not her specifically. No.
0: Because it's obvious they had so much invested in her. I mean, having a debut against Satamura. Yeah. Again, it's like having Okada's farewell match being against Tanahashi. Unfortunately, she was retired by two thousand one. I looked up on Cage Match. She had seventy matches in total, all for Gaea, mm. and. I think she won two singles matches in that whole time. My guess is against a graduate from it was even below her on the totem pole. <laughs> so if they had planned to gather be a star, and she was tagging with Satomura and in matches involving the Gaio, you assume either being the one taking the fall or not being the one pin- getting the fall in the tag in the few tag matches she was on the winning side of.
1: Yeah,
0: doesn't go further into detail if it was an injury if she genuinely was still being psychologically torn apart or whatever Mm. so there is no happy end. she didn't unfortunately have the career that satomura ended up having yeah so this didn't even create a we saw three people drop out and we saw one person get in but last less time than a
1: year and a half i was gonna say yeah nothing really like in terms of a in terms of a good solid wrestling career not not a lot at all really
0: and really it's not been until the stardom era of joshi which is a very different interpretation of the presentation of japanese female wrestlers now and very clearly more of a i mean now fucking half of them have it to be basically soft core porn as well as being wrestlers mm. so as bad as the methods of nigayo may have seemed she didn't expect them to do videos where they're soaping their asses in a bath or yeah. whatever else it is that they've they've had to do. So I don't
1: know. Like yeah, yeah, just yeah. It's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination.
0: And now we've got New Japan seemingly very reluctantly getting involved in the Joshi world of things, and it's still very slowly getting there. There definitely seems to be an indifference, at least from the booking side of New Japan. Hmm. You've got to let the girls play. Ugh. <laughs> oh.
1: Fine.
0: But maybe that's something else that will evolve over time. And, I mean, they're changing the way that the young lions are apparently being treated. They did like a business stall, and they're saying we're going to maybe give the young lions a bit more personality these days, in the future. And you've got them being put into factions, you know... TMDK have their own young lion in Fujita. Yeah. I wonder if that may have also been the success of Umino when he was brought under John Moxley's wing. That that's what we're going to get more of as time goes on. Quite possibly. But, I mean, then you also see the brilliance of the War Dogs Bullet Club personas now, that they're these L.A. Dojo guys that just basically went through all this training, and now it's their characters are basically like, for what? Yeah. What did this get us? Now we're just going to beat the shit out of everyone. I don't know if you've seen it, but look up Gabriel Kidd and, and Alex Coughlin in the G1 Climax press conference. Mm. It's quite an experience, what both of them do.
1: Yeah, Gabriel.
0: Well, yeah. I don't know if Gabriel's like going too far or is doing exactly what they want from him, but you're remembering him now. Yes. that's, that's... There's, even, there's even a bit of Conor McGregor in him at times. So, who knows?
1: Oh, I'm just so happy for him.
0: Well, I'm reserving it because this is obviously a man that did go through certain mental health things that maybe the dojo system was not designed for him to
1: experience. That's that know. is true. So, look, we've seen a way of
0: training through through this in 2023. Eyes, it's even more unsettling, I
1: suppose. Yes, the world's changed. And would you recommend this to wrestling fans to watch? Not initially, no. If they'd watched other things and wanted to like learn more. But but that more speaks to, I hate saying a generational thing, but it is a generational thing. The way uh, if you wanted to be condensed down to a TikTok, maybe <laughs> you'd watch
0: it, would you, Simon? No,
1: but people my age do seem to like like the, the documentary styles moved on, and that, that's why I think I jarred watching this in terms of like length, fun, and, and attachment to the the individuals. Like I knew them, but did I know them after this? Like what what had I seen? Apart from arguably some, some toxic abuse. Yeah, I, I had empathy, but. For, like, to, to paraphrase the war dogs, for, for what?
0: Well, yeah, you're not going to get any memes out of this if that's what you mean. No, so. no, not that, but like. You're not going to get, and I took that personally out. Yeah. You're not going to get. I will never financially recover from this. this. Yeah. But what you will get is a sense of, it must have sucked to train in Japanese pro wrestling dojos. Yeah, that's true. But I already knew that. Yeah, but now you knew it even more explicitly. You saw more than you'd ever seen before. That's fair, isn't it? Uh, They put
1: the walls up. They still put the walls up. Yeah, the Finn Balor Japan documentary didn't show quite this level of brutality.
0: I remember seeing the dojo, I think it was Jay White's. Walking through the house, and it was not much much better. Yeah, it was still bunk beds and everything. But you know, it's produced some bloody good wrestlers. That is true. (laughs) So,
1: uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Mm.
0: But what isn't a difficult one, Simon, is telling people how they can get in touch with you with some more documentary recommendations from the time when documentaries didn't have to hold your hand and tell you exactly what everybody was feeling how can they do so
1: <laughs> such a boomer sometimes people can get in touch with me on twitter where i'm selling the simon cross free free for at least the number of times during this i was like ooh, that that woman might be dead
0: <laughs> my name's Lorcan Mullin. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, as in the start of a statement and ability to interpret things through visual media. Sucking <laughs> your crawl hasn't it? That's <laughs> my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lntyspod at gmail.com if emails are still a thing to you. <laughs> <laughs> LMTYSPOD is also our Twitter and Facebook handles, I guess maybe we will have to start up a TikTok and a Threads
1: <laughs> Oh Christ Threads makes me feel old I, I, I get it but I don't
0: <laughs> Isn't it just Twitter but
1: fewer people though? It's Twitter but fewer people but they, there's no for you and following thing It's all just Oh merged no, into a...
0: they're not telling you exactly where you've got to look How will you ever
1: cope Simon Well actually it's better because they merge it all into one in my opinion, so there you go.
0: <laughs> well, I just keep getting flipping Office gifts. I don't even, you know... I don't know what... I didn't even indicate that I liked The Office at that point, but... Anyway, from one faux documentary to a real documentary, and now to a match of the week. And we're going back to a time when it was just as rough and tough and tumble, but it wasn't for Japanese late little girls. <laughs> it was for big, brawny, bearded men getting into fights in bars after they performed for... Which promotion, and who are the two people that we're covering, Simon?
1: So, we are taking a look at some familiar names in an unfamiliar world. We are looking at a match between the Nature Boy Ric Flair and Ted DiBiase. But it's taking place in Mid-South. Very rough and tumble.
0: Bill Watts' promotion. So, get ready to see some very unhygienically not well-kept concrete (laughs) floors that these guys are falling onto and it's the NWA World Championship 18 months before the million dollar man ever made his first financial offer or gave a maniacal cackle instead he seems to literally maybe be fighting for his life (laughs) but until then there's nothing to say at this point except that my name's Lorca Mullen
1: and my name's Simon Cross
0: thank you for letting us tell you something and until the next time the balcony is closed